2: good evening and welcome to another edition of today with dr wendy i'm wendy patrick and my co-host larry dersham and i have a great show lined up for you tonight now you may have heard a bit about our next guest you may have heard on the news about a church located in the heart of silicon valley that had to close its doors under resistance during the pandemic but refused and was fined literally millions of dollars by the Santa Clara County uh, officials. And that really made a splash. I would even say nationwide as people discuss this case, the ramifications, and everything associated with what we remember were the penalties if we didn't comply at the beginning of the pandemic. The matter is now in litigation. But we are lucky enough to be joined with somebody that has expert knowledge about that case and many others like it. Larry, who do we have on the line?
3: Yes, Wendy, today we're fortunate to have with us Robert Tyler, who is the founder, president, and general counsel for Advocates for Faith and Freedom, which is a nonprofit law firm dedicated to protecting constitutional and religious liberty in the courts. Welcome to the program, Robert. Hey, thank you guys for having me.
2: Robert, I understand that in addition to having your nonprofit corporation that defends organizations um having your uh not for profit law firm um well actually i suppose your law firm probably is for profit or you wouldn't be able to do the other but you know that's just a little of what you do and i know you also have a family and I'm just hoping you can give some of our listeners a little bit of work work life balance advice let's just say it that way what do you what do you have to say about that how do you do it all
4: oh my gosh i don't know if uh <sighs> I can admit to having a uh, honestly admit to having a proper work life balance. (laughs) So I don't have advice for that. All I can say don't
2: give it. Then don't give us any advice.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I won't. Guy, I can say that you know I've got four kids uh, that are all grown, and God's blessed us, and He's you know I I think God when God calls you to pursue a passion. often your family will get behind you as mine has over the years and um you know we've done fostering in fact we just had a family that we're sponsoring from honduras who is uh just came in and they're living with my wife and i they're at our house i haven't even had a chance to to see them yet because uh i am in uh, arkansas working so you know I can't give any advice on work-life balance, but uh, all I can say is pursue your passions like God's given you.
2: Amen. Uh, That's good advice.
3: Robert, one of several really big cases you have going on right now involves a church in San Jose that at a certain point during the extended lockdowns of so-called non-essential businesses decided to reopen. And as a result of that was fined by the county of Santa Clara over $4 million, even though I understand that fine has been slightly reduced. Could you tell us a little bit about that case and where it stands today?
4: Well, uh, I think it's important to step back and and say that, you know, the churches around the state of California and around the country stopped and said, look, look. Uh, this doesn't seem right that we would be forced to shut down, but we're going to shut down for the sake of, um, you know, health of humanity. And, and they shut down for two weeks and then we're asked to shut down longer. And, and,
2: <clears throat> and
4: everyone was scrambling to get themselves set up with uh, live streaming on Facebook or YouTube or one of these streaming services. and, so churches around the country just became technolog- technologically savvy. It was very costly for, for most of them. And uh, in the meantime, we were hosting conferences uh, via Zoom with pastors from all over the country, but mainly here in California. And there was one Zoom that uh, that I was on with Pastor Jack Hibbs. He put this one on, Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel Chino Hills, and 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 Jack is, a, you know, just a warrior, modern-day Bonhoeffer. And uh, Jack, Jack said, Bob, what do you think? Uh, and, and by the way, there were probably uh, somewhere between three and 500 pastors on it. I can't remember exactly how many. And, and I was on to talk about the legal issues. And, and this was in uh, late March, possibly um, early April. And and we were having a conversation about like, this has to end at some point in time, because you know it's turning out that the hospitals are not over, you know, overflowing with patients. The um, yes, there's people who have died, but this is not as chaotic as you know. Gavin Newsom, at one point in time, our esteemed governor, had said in a in a letter to President Trump that he needed the army ship to come dock in Long Beach, because he had expected some 20 plus million people uh, to potentially die from this virus. Well, obviously none of that happened. And, um, and so what, what did end up happening is uh, the pastors began to say, wait a minute, this doesn't, this doesn't seem right. When Costco and the grocery stores open, But not only them, the liquor stores, the pot dispensaries, they're open. And and so the pastors around the country started saying, there's something wrong here. So when Jack and I are on the phone, he says, Bob, wouldn't it be great if we all opened, you know, if we had pastors from all over the the state of California said, we're going to open on the same date and let the governor come and arrest all of us. And I said, you know, Jack, that's a bold move. I'm in favor of it and and we'll get in and we'll defend the pastors. And so we started working on this, we prepared something called the Declaration of Essentiality. And it declared it was I wrote it, we put it up on our website, we had over 3,000 pastors sign on to it with an agreement that one the church is essential. Because it wasn't essential under under the state guidelines, but we know it is essential and also that what they were going to do is they were all going to reopen on the day of Pentecost, May 31st, 2020. And uh, we we got we had over 2,000 pastors sign at the time that we put out a press release. And when we put the press release out, it was it was quite controversial. And I got on CNN. I was asked to come on a couple times. And and the the host, one of the main anchors said, "But Mr. Tyler, Uh, you know, why would you be doing this? I said, because there are more people dying from suicide, more people suffering from depression, uh, going back on alcoholism and drugs. And there are so many secondary effects that far supersede even the deaths that are occurring. And at the time, I actually had one gal who had committed suicide had intended to go to church with a friend but couldn't go that Sunday because the church closed down. They were doing outdoor events, and the, and the county of Santa Clara said, nope, you can't, you can't meet. And so they shut them down. This girl ended up committing suicide the next, the next week. And, and there are so uh, many situations like that, pastors explaining these things.
2: So we yeah, you uh, know- launched this Declaration of Essentiality. You know, Robert, I think what you're one of the things you're highlighting is, you know, obviously we as Christians are designed to meet together and to worship corporately, uh, not separately. And uh, part of the essentiality really kind of hinged on this explanation of, you know, how are houses of worship different than many of the other businesses that, as you mentioned, were allowed to, to stay open? You know, that whole battle which you have fought on behalf of this case and other cases, you know, I I was going to ask you, you know, how did how are the congregation holding up in some of these churches? But I think you've kind of answered that. Let me ask you this, though. I mean, where do we go from here? Obviously, thankfully, we have big jurisdictions being very vocal about um, refusing to slide back into mask mandates and closures and lockdowns. But that's only true here in the U.S. And so as we kind of um, bring this segment to a close, um, I can imagine you might have just a a few words at the end regarding how people can find you and whether or not what we see here might be expected to happen in other countries as well.
4: Well, um, you know, uh, it's because of the First Amendment that uh, these pastors stood up. And the pastors here at Calvary Chapel San Jose, they stood up. Because the First Amendment is only as strong as the people who are willing to persevere to, to sustain our First Amendment. They have to persevere. In, in light of the hardness, whatever comes, they've got to fight. And that's what Pastor uh, Mike McClure has done in San Jose. I'd love to come back on some other time, tell you more about the case itself. I'd love and, to have yeah, you. We
2: have
3: so much about they, other issues. That'd be great. So but if they want we'll to find you, up. do they go to faith-freedom.com? faith com. Yes. Okay, perfect. Thank you. All
2: right. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, we definitely would would like to have you back. Um, So God bless you. And thank you. Thank you for the good fight. Uh, We are going to take a short commercial break, but please don't touch that dial folks. We have a lot of must hear news and commentary on the other side of the break. You are listening to today with Dr. Wendy and we will be back in a flash.
1: News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick.
2: Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a very interesting second half. You know, we talk every week about what are we going to cover and it's almost impossible to choose from all of the sensational news stories, some very significant and very important Some simply very interesting. Of course, everything is significant and important, isn't it? Uh, This next story, however, uh, really has captured the attention of people, I would say, around the world. Because you wonder in what cultures this might sort of catch fire in terms of uh, this being some way to deal with Family disappointment. I'm going to cue it up that way, and then we're going to get into some specifics. Larry, this has to do with a couple in India suing their son for $650,000. Do you know why?
3: I think I do. It's because they didn't so far produce any grandchildren, right? That's
2: right. That's right. And the interesting word you use is produce. So this couple is suing their son for that amount of money because he and his wife have been married for six years but have yet to produce a grandchild. Now, upon first hearing the story, one of the first questions I'm asked is, well, what if they can't have kids? What if, what, what if you know somebody is sterile or this or that? I believe it's probably due to frustration for lack of effort. Because remember, lots of young couples like traveling the world, this is a young couple in their 30s, um, is starting a career. In other words, sort of getting into a financial situation that would be more comfortable for bringing a child into the world. But I have to say one of the hallmarks of this case, Larry, that is fascinating is it's almost looking through a lens of financial investment for emotional return. This couple has talked about all of the money, their life savings that they have poured into their son's education, training to be a pilot, um, a lavish wedding and honeymoon for the couple and really wanting the satisfaction of being grandparents. And then let me add this too, you know, culturally speaking, uh, in this culture, as well as in others, there's this expectation that children and grandchildren sort of provide for the welfare. And I would say maybe even also the happiness of parents, uh, of grandparents. And so part of that's a cultural expectation and sort of a reputational issue as well. What do you make of this? Is this something that would ever happen here? you know, is it so unusual to happen in another culture?
3: I've never heard of this type of a lawsuit before, but it's always fun to uh, find new cases uh, that kind of surprise you. And I think part of it, Wendy is the parents would like their son and daughter-in-law to carry on the family line. I mean, that's gotta be, be a big thing too. And, um, I know that some parents um, you know that not only that, but they also are concerned well who 's going to you know care for us as we as we get older, so that would be a major concern as well. Uh, however, this lawsuit is still in its infancy, so we 'll have to wait and see if the legal representative uh, for the parents will be able to deliver a win in this case.
2: Wow, you've really thought through some of these sound bites, Larry. That's very, very clever play on words, and you're a grandparent. I mean, you can appreciate the extent to which grandkids really complete our lives. I mean, children and grandchildren, those are blessings from God, and it not surely this couple sees it that way as well. But I think what's interesting and, and you know a lot of the the news um avenues that have covered this story have linked to some of the laws in India that are different here, which basically allow parents, for example, to make applications for support. Now, we don't hear or see too much of that here, but you do know there's an expectation in some uh, areas, some families, some, uh, some traditions where there's an expectation that children will take care of parents. I mean, that's biblical. There's lots of ways you can cite to that uh, reality. But what I think is a little bit unique, unusual, and perhaps even in India is to actually sue a child for not producing your word a grandchild in time i mean six years and i think one of the more interesting parts of this case as well is they gave the couple one year to do it talk about pressure
3: absolutely so funny i I wonder if they've uh, explored the uh, in vitro fertilization hope i'm saying that right if there's a problem in that area or how about adoption would that work uh, but can you imagine the precedent, Wendy, that this would set if if uh, the parents are successful? They could sue their kids for anything, for not getting a, a job that pays high enough or you know, just use your imagination. It's, it's amazing. It's kind of uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. I'll say that.
2: Well, reading between the lines, Larry, it also seems like there was a complaint that the kids just didn't care about the parents. In other words, I go back to my my, you know, and this is a suggestion on my part that maybe it's about being upset that the kids weren't trying to have kids. Uh, I can't imagine anybody being upset because your son or daughter are trying, but yet they have they're facing roadblocks biologically. Um, it seems like you know they're saying, "Well, they don't really care about us. They've got their own life." After we invested literally everything we had into the education, the marriage, the honeymoon—I mean, everything—they they paid for everything to make sure that their son had everything they could give them so maybe it's a little bit of like I say financial investment wanting an emotional return so anyway it's heartbreaking no matter how you look at it to see a lawsuit being filed for this purpose and every time I see something like this you know we always hope behind the scenes that they're able to come to some some resolution that maintains the love of the family bond while also provides a forum to air what sounds like is some resentment on the parents' part that the kids haven't uh, stepped up uh, and uh, produced a grandchild. So.
3: Yeah, and, and it's interesting, too. I think there's a little bit of community pressure, maybe even more so in India yes. than here in the United States. Like, hey, how's your kid? How, where's your, aren't you a granddad yet? What's wrong? You know what I mean? You, just the peer pressure against the, the parents of this as son.
2: And that's exactly one of the other things that they raised is they said, you know, the community is asking them questions. You know, it's kind of like you, know, you and I and our listeners, no doubt, know men and women that are of a certain age. And then they they probably are tired of people asking them why they're not married when maybe they chose not to get married. So it, I guess it's a little bit interesting to to hear how that question is apparently asked all around the world. But Larry, I think you have something else on your docket today as well.
3: Right. Yeah, I've got this. I wanted to start with my favorite quote that happened this month. It was about a week ago, I guess. It was from John Kennedy. He's a senator from Louisiana. When he commented on Biden's campaign slogan, Build Back Better, uh, he said, the senator said, the American people see that after 14 months of the Biden presidency, nothing is built, nothing is back, and nothing is better. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> and that's also the, the campaign slogan or the slogan of the World Economic Forum, which I'm going to be talking about here, too. And I'm calling this segment as a commentary, Tar of Babel, the sequel, or Return of the Tyrants. If you remember the Tower of Babel, it occurs in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. So those of you who have a Bible, uh, you might want to just revisit that story. It's really a a very amazing story. So here we go again. Constant crises, plagues, wars, and rumors of wars, and human-engineered famines like Baby formula shortages our food distribution fires across the country. Yes, all these things are needed by the World Economic Forum to keep us constantly off-bounce so they can implement a one-world government, also known as New World Order. You know, a world without God in it, or as the guru of the WEF likes to say, and his name is Yuval Noah Harari, He says that Jesus is fake news. Well, that's the type of government that they want to implement. So who are these one worlders? Well, you just need to go to the World Economic Forum website to get the list of these tyrants our tyrants in training. Names like, of course, Klaus Schwab, Yuval Noah Harari, the guru of the WEF, I've mentioned him before, Alexander Soros, the son of George Soros, Daniel Crenshaw, a Republican, and a former Navy SEAL. So this crosses party lines, folks. None other than Gavin Newsom? How about Mark Zuckerberg? How about uh, Megan Ruppenow? I don't think I'm saying her name right. She's the soccer-playing lady, the super-champion soccer player. Or Emmanuel Macron, president of France. Or Justin Trudeau. Prime Minister of Canada, or former Vice President Al Gore, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, co-founders of Google. The list goes on and on. But again, you can get these names if you go to the World Economic Forum to find out there's so many people involved in this. So we've had this small victory it was this week in the state of Louisiana. They were the last state to give up on trying to force the little kids to have vaccines. So that is a war uh, uh, we won that skirmish, but it's much bigger than this folks. The FDA has just approved COVID booster shots for children. And this is the most worrisome of all. The Biden administration proposal to give the World Health Organization authority to declare health emergency in the United States. That's right. It's kind of an inverted to state where the health leaders, this guy, his name is uh, Dr. Tetros, and he's from Ethiopia, would be able to declare in the United States a health emergency. He could declare lockdowns. He could declare forced vaccination, and there's nothing that we could do to stop it. If... They're successful in amending these international health regulations at this summit they're going to be having this week in Geneva, Switzerland. So here's what we need to do. Uh, We need to get active. We need this is a general quarters uh, call here. We need to all hands on deck. And by the way, we need to make a constitution and the Bill of Rights sexy again. That is the most important thing. It's more important than any TV show you'd watch or any soccer game you'd ever participate in. So get out there, please, and vote. And I'm going to go to lifepetitions.com. It's called lifepetitions.com. You can look it up and sign the petition to fight back against this push to give the World Economic Forum complete control of our sovereignty over medical issues, which is basically huge. All
2: right. Thank you all for joining us this week. Have a wonderful safe weekend. Please join us next week for more of Today with Dr. Wendy Headlines with a Silver Lining. Have a great week and God bless you.